0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 94 of d Discussions, the podcast for players and demons alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Ben Bumhopper. How are you doing, Ben? I am doing pretty darn good, actually. It has been
1: a strong week of random happenstance of things just happening and having nothing to do with D&D, of course, but life is going well. How are you doing,
0: Ryan? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, uh, We've got some topics that we're going to cover tonight that are very near and dear to my heart. Um, And we've got uh, some fun things to talk about. uh, A few cool shout-outs. So, yeah. should should we dive in? You know, we might as well, because... Just dive right in? Basically, there's there's a story that
1: I want to get to that you're going to be telling at the end of the episode. So the sooner we get through the rest of it the sooner we can get that's to that. true because so. we didn't
0: have time to get to our uh what we're doing last episode because it was just so jam-packed exactly that unearthed arcana one of our longest episodes
1: <laughs> ever without a uh, guest
0: and without a lot of anything
1: extra <laughs> so yeah. yeah
0: yeah uh so tonight or this morning, or whenever you're listening to it, really. It's it's tonight for us. Yeah. Uh we record in the evening because work work stuff. Um, so tonight uh we are going to start at the end. Uh we are going to talk about epilogging a campaign. And this is uh, as I said, a subject that is near and dear to my heart because I have I have done this a few times, uh, already in my, in my DMing career. Mm -hmm. And it is something that I'm going to be doing again here, uh, in the next few weeks to finish off, uh, my, uh, roughly three year campaign that I have been running. And you have most of you who have been following the podcast for a long time have heard about, uh, over the course of basically the, (laughs) basically the entire, entire podcast uh which yeah. is which is pretty wild um
1: i mean we started so, in
0: 2019 so yeah the yeah yeah uh so yeah we're going to we're going to talk about um how to end a campaign well yeah and and see,
1: th- this is fun because i haven't done this yet Except, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a, a couple, you know, a couple campaigns, you know, that are live plays that have ended and I've kind of seen how they've handled it and stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested to finding out how you've done it and, uh, you know, some of the tips that we can uh, kind of come up with together.
0: Oh, yeah. And as I was I was researching this a little bit, too, and because uh, I've got my own personal experience, but it's there's so many resources out there for all sorts of things. Uh, we'll have a, a link to uh, Tabletop Joab. Um, it has a great article about uh, campaign aftercare mm-hmm. is what is what they call it. Um, and we'll probably be touching on several points from this article, but the article itself is very good uh, if you're looking to do, uh, or if you're getting close to a campaign wrap up or wondering what you should do or how you want to end something on a high note. So, yeah, like I said, dndiscussions.com, We'll have that in the show notes. Um, but the first thing uh, is just from a DM perspective. When you are considering finishing up a campaign, uh, find your ending point. Whether it be the end of a big arc, whether it is after the big bad evil guy has been defeated. You don't want to necessarily artificially prolong a campaign that is past its prime. And what I mean, what I mean by that is if all the characters have roughly finished their goals, if all of the big threats you have introduced have been overcome, Sure, you could always introduce something more. Maybe that's what your campaign wants. Maybe that's something you can kind of come to an agreement with. But a lot of times, you'll hit a point where it will just feel as if this is it. This is good. This is this is the end of these heroes' journeys. And that may be because you as the storyteller feel like it's a good point. Uh, it could be because uh, you're hitting creative burnout, but you want to finish the story strong. And so you go, okay, where is, where's is the next logical point where we could have a good ending or have a, have a well, uh, a satisfying conclusion as much as we can right and it doesn't necessarily have to be at uh, level 20 I know a lot of campaigns start out with the idea of the goal of okay we're gonna go 1 to 20 and it's gonna be this epic journey blah 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 and if you can do that that's great there's nothing wrong with that that's a super super awesome goal but that might not necessarily fit in with the story that you and your players are telling. Maybe level 12 is where the fitting ending comes in. Maybe level 15, maybe level 18, maybe level 8. I mean, we we look at a lot of these like pre-written modules and such uh many of them end before level 10 and tell a complete and whole story. So that's that's something to consider is you don't have to push yourself all the way if you don't have the content for it or you don't have the story for it.
1: Exactly. And that's one of those things where, uh, like you kind of said, sometimes it's hard for people to, you know, kind of let go and do the thing that they want to do. And, you know, when you've told a complete story How many times have you, you know, just thought, oh, man, I wish this could go forever. And then, like, say you're watching a movie and then there's a sequel, like a fourth Matrix movie or something or even a second Matrix movie. And you're kind of thinking, man, it would have been nice if we had just stopped at that first one because it was so good.
0: (laughs) Yes, that is perfect perfect example yeah
1: i mean like as much as i love the matrix uh the the first one was was good enough and i absolutely loved it um so i mean overall you you have to know a good stopping point just like you need to know a good starting point and being able to kind of come together with your group um knowing and and seeing how everybody's playing where people are enjoying you know finding out what sort of goals each of the players have uh, or at least their characters have and you know try to, to, to meet those and, and, and get those to, you know, a good place for all of them and that should kind of key you off as to where your stopping point really should be. So whether it's, Oh, the big bad evil guy is dead. Yay. We've saved the world and everything. But Joe over there still hasn't had any sort of resolution with his family well, let's make sure that we take care of that before we completely end. Cause everybody else kind of had their story moment or something. I mean, it may seem a little weird to just, Hey, go visit Joe's family in, you know, on another continent and just, you know, see what's up with them after you just saved the world five times over. But still you want to make sure that everybody has that satisfactory, you know, feeling with their player character.
0: And that's, Honestly something you can do as well in something called an epilogue session So what I consider or my definition of epilogue session is it is the the session after The ending so Let's say the big ending is we fought the big bad evil guy we triumphed tears were shed, you know people were resurrected or not (laughs) type type thing. Uh, And, and then we fade to black. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have one more session called an epilogue session. It could be a series of sessions, but uh, depending on what the reason for, for finishing the campaign is. Um, But in my case, I usually do an epilogue session and to prepare, my players for that, I, I basically tell them, be thinking about what your characters would go on to do after this. Where are your characters, you know, down the road, potentially a few years? what are their what are their plans? what are their hopes and dreams post finishing or completing this this massive task? And then maybe we have small snippets whether it's role play or whether it's narration uh, about what happens after the fact, going into each of the characters individually, basically give your players a chance to say goodbye to these characters that they may have been, they may have been inhabiting for potentially years. It is it is a very strong relationship with a player and a character when you have campaigns that go that long or when you have campaigns that uh, last for years. Or I've had this character since level one or level three or something like that. Now we're, now we're 12 or now we're 15 or now we're 20. Uh, let your characters have that chance to say goodbye and give those characters a chance to let you as a DM know what they want to do. Let the other players know what they're what they're doing, and this is especially important. I feel if you are running your own homebrew world, because, for example, my homebrew world, all the campaigns that I've run in it, and this is uh, I've run three in it at this point. The characters have a measurable effect on the world. They change things. And these are permanent changes that they make. So at the end of a campaign, I want to know what their characters are doing. Or at least I want to know what their their dreams and goals for their characters are. Because as far as I'm concerned, those characters will then live on past that campaign. These characters become NPCs in these worlds. They may show up again as a as a guest character or a side character or someone who has achieved XYZ in a future campaign uh, where the party may be completely different and not have any idea who it is, but then it turns into a super fun story you can tell to your old players and say, your character didn't was able to do this with this new party that encountered, uh, this, this dragon or this giant or, or something like that. So I, I personally like to do this as a DM so that I can really kind of solidify these characters in stone so that they will live on past the campaign.
1: Exactly. And the thing is, is something that we've always talked about is, you know, Uh, when you do especially a homebrew campaign, um, but but you can also do this with, you know, any sort of module or adventure uh, as well, especially if you do have that epilogue where the characters have gone on and done their own thing, is, you know, it it helps make it a living, breathing world. Plus, even more so, you see that the characters affected the world and have continued on and are continuing to affect it in certain ways. It's one of those things that rewards the players who have been with you this entire time to see... Hey, what you did in that game, it mattered. And again, you know, it, even if it's just like a a quick shout out or or a a small little thing here and there, as you see those little reminders of remember the fun we had in that other game, that was great. And, you know, bringing them in is pretty cool too. in in, you know, in, in subtle ways, if you are going to, you know, wholesale take someone else's hero and bring them into the game you better have a good level of trust with that original player character as well. And do your very best to be true to that character too. So just, you know, hands down, make sure everybody's kind of cool with that before it happens. Otherwise, you know, make mention to these characters and, you know, give them the happy stories that you had in the epilogue previously too. you know, continue that going forward. You don't want to, you know, have a really great epilogue, have, you know, a character go off and and retire and everything only to find out later on that their village was burned down and their wife and kids were murdered in front of them so that they have to pick up that heroing adventure story again, and then make them become your, you know, DMPC or something like that. Just be respectful in that sense. Now I know we're talking about the ending of the game, but again, when you have characters living on, don't mess with them too much.
0: Yeah, you you want to be true to their characters, and that's part of what getting the epilogue is, so that you and a d as a DM can know this is this is what this character would do, right? This is where this character would be. This is what this character wants to achieve or has already achieved and wants to retire, type thing. Um, so I think I think that's a a very uh, a very good point. Uh, And to kind of build off of that, uh, epilogue sessions should usually be very... um, Celebratory. Yeah. 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 Uh, Celebratory, positive, chill. Most likely you have just come off a huge ending as a lot of campaign arcs end with a big fight right? Or, or a big dilemma uh, that is being solved. Uh, it's probably very high stakes, high tension, high energy. <laughs> uh, the epilogue session should bring that back down and be a celebration of the campaign and of the characters. Um, it should be something kind of laid back and chill as you go through these different little moments, as you go through the different characters and figure out where they're going to end up and what they're going to do as they say their goodbyes, potentially as they mourn a friend and celebrate those who are still here. Uh, if you had a TPK you can honestly just uh, take time and remember all the good moments, right? Remember all the fun times, talk through all, all the epic moments that, that you had as a DM, you can epilogue post that in the things that they, even if the heroes failed in one way or sacrificed themselves, uh, they were a- still able to achieve this, that, or the other. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it's one of those things. This is not a, this is not a high stakes session. This is not a super intense session. This is a, a contemplative, laid back celebratory time of reminiscing and just celebrating this party and these characters
1: exactly and it it's one of those things where you've been together this entire time celebrating it together just kind of adds that extra um you know positivity to the whole thing upon closing on it and i absolutely love the fact that you know th- this is you know especially for something that's been going on for years this is just a really sweet way to end it so that again you all share in something with this this collaborative storytelling that you've been doing for so long and i mean what better way to end something that everybody's enjoyed than something just you know full of heart and and happiness and togetherness which is what you've had the entire campaign
0: yeah yeah um so you've taken some time you've talked through character epilogues you've reminisced uh you've figured out where everybody's going from here from there with an epilogue session i will usually shift to kind of a uh memories like sharing like what are your like what are your favorite moments and why type thing and have everyone just and just kind of go around with everybody and uh, just just kind of see from the players angle like what did they really like what did they really enjoy what that what really resonated with them right what are your what are your epic moments and then once we talk about that we turn it around and we shift to the DM and go Okay, everybody, the campaign is over. I bet you have a lot of questions. And then give your party a little bit of time to have some Q&A. Let them ask the what ifs. Let them ask about the unsolved pieces. And remember, you don't have to give all the answers. You don't necessarily have to be specific, especially if some or all of them are going to be playing in your next campaign. In the same world because some of those things may you may want to remain secrets or the, those things may still have uh impact on the world at large but there will probably be a good amount of things that you can answer uh as they went through the campaign uh asking about villains asking about npcs asking about locations asking about what ifs what if we had done this mm-hmm. instead there are almost always multiple fork in the road moments exactly with your party where they can go one direction or another and whichever one they pick has a huge effect, but it could have had a huge effect if they had gone the other way. So let them ask about those moments uh, and s- satisfy their curiosity, at least to an extent about the campaign and about your world and about the things they experienced.
1: Yeah. And on top of that too, you know, this is a time where you can kind of, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit and just say, Hey, you know, this thing that happened, I got that idea based off of this tiny thing that you said. And I took that little nugget and I grew it into this, you know, whole plot arc or, or, you know, this, this section of the dungeon was inspired by that thought. Or, um, you know, maybe if you're, you're really feeling daring, you can be incredibly truthful and say something along the lines of like, Oh yeah, this thing that you guys did that happened, Uh, I made that entire thing up on the fly that night,
0: you know, and sometimes (laughs) it's so fun to know those things, (laughs) those those weird things that become potentially giant plot points Mm -hmm. that just because a player did something and you made something up, it turned into a huge deal. Exactly.
1: Or, you know, it's one of those things where. I never uh, thought that this NPC would turn into, you know, like your favorite. It would be one of the greatest things that's ever happened. And, and just, you know, there, there's so many different directions, like you said, and uh, what ifs and stuff that could be answered, but like kind of opening up the door and revealing some certain things and stuff will also kind of blow their minds sometimes, or, or, you know, give people the that extra, like, ah, oh, I knew it. I I thought that this was something that was going to happen. Just like when you have like a really good big reveal of like a, a, a BBEG or something along those lines. And then suddenly it's like, oh man, you know, all the pieces just kind of fit together and they see, you know, they, they take a step back and see the world for what it was and how they contributed to actual storytelling and stuff. It, you know, we've always talked about how D is collaborative storytelling and a lot of times players don't realize how much they're actually contributing with where the story goes, what happens and how it evolves over time. You know, it, like, um, you know, you and I have talked about before how it's like, okay, well we have like kind of an, an idea of like an arc for how we want the campaign to go, but it's always just bullet points and everything is filled in kind of as you play and as you progress. Yep. So seeing yep. how some of that gets filled in is, I I find it to be one of the most interesting things about DMing and especially when you're like, okay, I have no idea how they're going to get from point A to point B, but then all of a sudden, like some tiny thing happens and
0: you're like, this is great. And it can cascade into this, to this, to this, to this, and boom, we're there. Or a player makes an offhand comment that you latch onto in your brain and go, that's real now or that's canon now, or I'm going to take that and run with it and turn it into something bigger Mm -hmm. type thing. Exactly. It's Definitely happened. In in
1: fact, spoilers for my group who, I don't know if they'll even ever go there, but I have an entire town that has turned into something based off of one thing that they said that they kind of suspected in, in one session, it was just kind of flippantly said. And I'm like, well, that's what's happening in that town over there now. and, this entire big, huge explosion of thought and idea went into it. So if they ever go there, I know what to do. Yeah,
0: that's that's it's that's a super cool, it's super cool way to do it. And as as a DM, you want to be open to that type of thing and always be watching for it. Exactly. And, and so once you have your your reminiscing session of your favorite moments. You give your, your players time to ask their questions and talk about the, the what ifs or what could have been's or lore or anything, anything specific to your world, your campaign. Um, then you can, you can do two things, uh, depending on what you're doing. Uh, if that's it, that's a wrap. That's, that is a campaign in the books. Those are memories that you will have forever and will be able to reminisce about and think about and potentially, again, if you have a homebrew world, affect your world for, for years to come. If you are planning on starting anew, especially with uh, the, the exact same group, you can also use an epilogue session to tease what might be next you can turn it you can even turn it into an impromptu session 0 right uh where you go this is where you throw down some breadcrumbs about what is next where you discuss uh what might be uh what might be a a plot or a theme mm-hmm line of your the next type of campaign so your players can start thinking about new characters uh who might fit into uh this area or this theme uh or you know whatever your setting might be if you're running uh if you're a group that runs modules maybe you go great job guys that is the end of storm king's thunder uh based on the vote that we took, or maybe you put something to a vote, uh, and go, here's what I've got. Here's the three or four modules that I've got. Which of these are you interested in, mm-hmm. in running next or all right, uh, based on the vote while beyond the witch light is what most people seem to be interested in, or is there one of their top two picks or something? Uh, a really good way of do it is, is a ranking system, right? Uh, If you are doing modules, throw a few out and have people rank them. Then based on what you want to run and based on what people have put as their top, top few, you can then uh, pick the next campaign from there. And usually there'll be some sort of consensus you can find uh, between your your players once, especially if you've been playing together for a while. Mm -hmm. And then you can use that as the launching point. Into that next module,
1: exactly. And if you're homebrewing, you know you can kind of have the same thing uh, happen as well, based off of the discussion that you've had. You know, kind of look at it as more of a session zero and find out the things that people really enjoyed about your homebrew campaign. You know, did they really, really love and enjoy the RP aspect of it? Did they like the you know the the dungeons that you built more, or like the the, the kind of just combat in general? You, know, you can kind of weigh out you know how much more you're you want to put into your next homebrew campaign of oh well they seem to really enjoy the rp let's kind of you know like lean into that and make it more of a a heavily rp kind of game versus you know a group who just really enjoy the dungeon crawling and then at that point it's like hey cool you just want loot you just want to fight I can make dungeons till the cows come home, and you know we can do like a, a, I don't know, a Diablo type thing where we're just constantly going deeper and deeper, you know, into harder and harder dungeons and fighting, you know, monsters the whole time. You know, th- you have so many different aspects that you can have. Um, on top of that, you can find out like, you know, oh, do you want to try some sort of political campaign? Do you want to do, um, you know, like more of a, a war torn world? Do you want post apocalyptic? You know, you can figure out kind of settings yeah. and stuff Urban. as well urban crawl. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. The, it, it gives you so much more of an idea of, you know, again, just teasing what you can do, figuring out what everybody kind of wants in that idea. And then, you know, giving uh, ideas and snippets of, of
0: different things, just like you could with the modules. Yeah, no, I think, I think there's a lot. And and sometimes too, this can be a great opportunity uh, as a DM to, now that the campaign is over also elicit constructive criticism, Mm -hmm. right. Or, or suggestions even, it doesn't even have to be constructive criticism. It can be suggestions of, Hey, uh, what do you think I should work on? What would you like to see more of in the next campaign or what, or uh, even if it's not the next campaign, uh, what were your, what were your things you enjoyed the most? Or what do you think the strengths were? What do you think could be improved upon that sort of thing? So as a DM, you can take that back now that the campaign is over and you don't technically have to worry about it at all for that campaign <laughs> anymore and go, okay, cool. I can integrate this in the future.
1: Yeah. Or God forbid. And, and who knows if this will happen because I know it can be rare, but God forbid, you can even say, would anyone else like to DM the next campaign? And this might be your chance yeah. to kind of, you know, pass that 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 DM, you know, role to someone else who really wants to get in there and give it a try. You know, it doesn't have to be a full huge campaign. Maybe, you know, people can take turns doing one shots in the meantime, while you're doing, you know, campaign prep for the next big long one or something along those lines. There, There's a lot more that can happen now that the campaign's over that everybody can just kind of take a little piece of the pie and try it out and see if it's something they enjoy doing too. And to my people, this is not me saying, Hey, I don't want to DM anymore. This is just me (laughs) saying, you know, to people who are out there, if you've ever wanted to try DMing, you know, at the end of a campaign, just say, Hey, I'd like to at least do a one shot, which could turn into, you know, maybe just a, a three or four shot, you know, depending on what they prep and what they do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a completely viable option. For sure yeah all right well that is how we do it well how you've done it if- i i haven't done it yet
1: <laughs> but i'm prepping for it in like another year or so <laughs>
0: that's, that's fair that's fair uh i i've gotten this is this has been your first like huge Mm-hmm. grand scale campaign yeah everything
1: um, else i've ever run is just kind of petered out with you know players just it's, not being available or something along those it's lines. hard
0: to have epilogues for things you've only run it for a few weeks or a few months mm-hmm. exactly um, <laughs> not not quite the it doesn't hit quite <laughs> quite the same <laughs> um but that's yeah that's that would be our advice that's how i have run things in the past that's how i will most likely be running the epilogue for my um uh, current campaign that is closing out. So uh, if you have ended campaigns before or you have your own suggestions or you have things that uh, we didn't mention that you usually do when you close campaigns off, we would love to hear from you. The in discussions at com. Please let us know. We'd love to love to see uh, other points of view mm-hmm. and uh, all the other cool stuff that you might do.
1: I mean, especially if you just firebomb <laughs> the end of the campaign. I'm interested why you would do something like that. But,
0: you know, you never know. We'll, we'll find out. Yep. Yep. I am I, very interested for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on to our secondary topic of the night. We have not gone over a race species for quite a while. Uh, yes. So, Ben uh, picked out a, a very interesting one, one that, I actually don't see get a ton of play, but are actually extremely flavorful mm-hmm. as far as what you could do with their fantasy go. So Ben, why don't you kick off our Gensai discussion? Yeah. Well, I mean, when we kind of talked about
1: it and like, Hey, let's do a race. I'm like, why don't we do four instead <laughs> all in one shot? <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. And the, the thing that I like about the, the, gens uh, the, the Genasi is that, um,
0: I did say Gensai, didn't yeah, I?
1: You did. And I, I'm like, I, that sounds I, weird. I feel
0: like, yeah, I feel like, uh, there's probably multiple ways to pronounce it, but it I believe Genasi is the, is the correct pronunciation. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever.
1: Uh, we can all just go to D and D beyond and click on the, the Matt Mercer or Marisha Ray button and see what it says. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, the thing about the Genasi is that the, the idea behind them is that they're either direct descendants of a genie or born to non-Genasi parents who live near a place that was suffused by a genie's magic. So they're, they're basically elemental people is the best way to put it. Uh, they come in four different varieties. Well, in the player's handbook, they do. I'm sure you can come up with loads of differences and stuff uh, in a homebrew if you want to. But there's uh, air, earth, fire, and water Genasi. And the thing is, is like each of them have their own little, you know, attributes just like every other race in D&D does. Um so we'll we'll just kind of go through them all really quick and then I I had some ideas on how to actually play them and, and really kind of embrace the element that they that they kind of go with. So uh the air uh genasi they have dark vision, they have unending breath which I mean, I would hope so your you know, your whole thing is made of of, of air. You don't have to breathe, which is the best part about it. Um, lightning resistance, which, you know, kind of fits along with like storms and stuff. And then uh, innately, they get to learn shocking grasp, uh, feather fall and levitate. So again, very air themed uh, earth, also dark vision. Uh, they have earth walk, which is not as cool as it sounds. <laughs> it's actually um, when they're walking over difficult train, it doesn't count as difficult train. So it's not a huge boost, um, but they uh, learn Uh, Blade Ward and Pass Without a Trace, which Pass Without a Trace kind of makes sense. Uh, Fire also have Dark Vision. Uh, Fire Resistance, and they learn Produce Flame, Burning Hands, and Flame Blade. Which, I mean, fire seems to be kind of like the least beneficial based on kind of what you get, which I found very surprising. And then Water has Acid Resistance you're amphibious so you can you know breathe air or in water Uh, and then they learn acid splash create or destroy water and water walk so again each of them has like you know a couple little little components that kind of set them aside from the other type of genasi the thing that i think is really neat about it is that based on the the element that you pick you can really run with the theme on this um you know by basing it kind of you know, your personality based more on, on your, your different type of, of element, like, you know, air could be, you know, kind of aloof and, you know, just, you know, flip, flit this way, go that way, you know, just not really have much of intention. Earth can be like, you know, a very stalwarts, very serious kind of, you know, personality fire can be, you know, very quick to temper hot headed things like that. Water could just, you know, be totally at ease go with the flow you know again have that sort of personality that that fits with that element but then when you start looking at different um uh classes and like subclasses then you can start having a lot of fun with it like um one of the things that that first came to mind was with water uh did you ever watch cowboy bebop Oh, yes. Okay. So Spike Spiegel, main character, like his whole, you know, like fighting style is like water. So he's, you know, kind of flowing this way and that way. Uh Uh And like drunken master monk totally fits with that as, and to me, that's like right there. That's a water genasi. That'd be perfect for it because they're flowing with the, the, you know, the attack and moving and everything like that. Um, Fire has some, some really great stuff uh, with, um, like sorcerer origins, like a, a dragonborn, you know, get, giving you that that fire breath, or on top of that's um, the, gosh, what is the barbarian that has like the three different elemental things that you can do? Because that fits with like, like primal
0: warrior or something like that. Something
1: like that. Uh, I I I gotta look it up now.
0: I'll, I'll look it up. You keep, you okay. keep going. Thank you. Well, I know they have the storm Herald as one of them, but yeah, one storm of them has Herald like, is one the the, uh, the totem warrior. Yeah. The, there's uh, one where one.
1: like, uh, you can have like fire erupt from you and stuff. Um, like almost any sorcerer origin, you have like your, your storm sorcerer would be great for air. You know, it really fits in with the theme with like lightning and everything along those lines. And it's just, it's really neat how you can kind of take just an elemental aspect and look at a lot of different subclasses that are out there and really fit it in with your Genasi. Like, uh, again, uh, Urchinasi just, you know, very strong, you know, put them in a, a very defensive kind of role, like, you know, a big mountain in the path of someone else, you know, giving them like a defensive fighter stance of some sort or like a barbarian. And just overall, it seems like it'd be a lot of fun to play one of these and really embrace that elemental feel on it.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I I think these are very, very flavorful. Uh, These can make for very, very flavorful characters, Mm -hmm. Um, especially as a DM. If you want to homebrew some fun things into them, incorporating those elements a little more or letting your players flavor the things they have or the things they do uh, within those elemental contexts uh, could actually turn into some really cool role play and some really fun uh, creativeness, be it just uh, skinning something or uh, as a DM allowing them to actually change up the way things work a little bit because of their inherent genie magic.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And just being like kind of a living elemental thing too, you know, you can just react with the world around you so differently. Uh, You know, especially like a, a pirate campaign or something, being a water genasi would be super great and important. You know, imagine being like a pirate Lord and, you know, you need to attack another ship. You just jump right in the water whatever swim over there you're fine underwater for a while hang on to the bottom of the boat if you want to like infiltrate some place or something i mean just little things here and there Uh, it's just i don't know it seems like something that's kind of fun and i've never played a genasi before and i think that i might want to in one of my next games you know like whether it be one shot or something else just to kind of really embrace whatever that element is and, and and go with it you know I just love the idea of like a a fire genasi just being just so quick to temper and everything like that. And, you know, maybe as part of their growth over the story of the game, just kind of, you know, like learning to kind of control that heat and fire in them and stuff. And I don't know, maybe I just really want to go see Pixar's elementals
0: instead and then, you know, I'll be good. But I mean, honestly, that's, that's basically, that's basically genasi. Right there. It's yeah. just a movie, a movie about Genasi. <laughs> exactly. A fire
1: genasi can't hang out with a water genasi. Uh, nah, it doesn't happen. No, um <laughs> it'll never work. <laughs> yeah, but uh anyway, so the barbarian Storm Herald barbarian has the, the desert sea and Tundra, um, different things so that you know you, you, you have that aura around you that, that you know would fit whatever your, your um element is and stuff, but I don't know, just it it seems like a cool thing and i i mark my words my next character that i make is going to be some sort of genasi because of this i don't know what subclass will be yet but i will be one of them
0: yeah there it it's it's a very i i feel like it's a very underutilized race mm-hmm. yeah that could that has a lot of a lot of potential and they might not fit every campaign Oh, right? no uh these are these the these races are In some ways, kind of, you know, quote unquote, fantastic enough that maybe you you talk to your DM um, and check and make sure they'll fit within whatever setting or whatever module or whatever you're playing, Mm -hmm. uh, if they can integrate them. Uh, But otherwise, yeah, they're very, very flavorful. Uh, Lots of great fantasy, Uh, lots of uh, cool little extras that fit within their elemental types.
1: Yep. And just the fact that, you know, they are direct descendants of a genie or, 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 you know, born to non Genasi parents and stuff. You have a lot of really cool, like just backstory campaign ideas to kind of give the DM on top of that too, you know, like play with that. mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a ton of stuff you can go. Like imagine finding your great grandfather, who's a, a genie and, you know, incorporate a wish spell into the game, see what happens with that or where it can go. Or you know, maybe they're trapped and you're trying to free them from servitude or something along those lines. You know, there, there's some really cool stuff that you can go with just down that line of thinking as well. Heck, there's a genie warlock
0: patron. Yeah.
1: That I you could that play around
0: patron. with. Yeah. How cool, what a what a cool combo that would be with a genasi, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having a, like- a genasi warlock with a with a genie patron and having that be directly maybe maybe something that is just uh due to your lineage or or something that uh was thrust upon you mm-hmm. exactly it's like oh it turns out that your great great grandmother
1: is your patron as your warlock how cool would that be how does that intermix like kind of go along mm, with your life and stuff yeah. too I mean are they yeah. really trying to control you for the thing are they just trying to pass on power to their offspring like where's this
0: playing into it yeah, no, there's there's a lot of fun. Just I, I've actually got, uh, you know, gets ideas spinning in your head. Yeah, like, <laughs> that'd, that'd be a really cool warlock uh, warlock character to play. You could know, do never, a lot of really I interesting, fun stuff. I never
1: really wanted to play a warlock before. And now I kind of
0: kind of do. Like, yeah, yeah. that's a neat thing to think about. <laughs> so. Yeah, it is. It is. I like I like the idea behind that. But yeah. Janasi, uh, Pretty cool. Lots of, lots of different stuff you can do with them. Lots of very uh, rich fantasy uh, that you can play with them. So definitely check them out if that sounds interesting. Yes. Uh, finally, before we wrap up and get to uh, what we've been doing in our games, uh, we did want to let everybody know that the, you know, that last episode, if you listened to it, that giant unearthed arcana that came out, <laughs> the survey for it is up. The survey for it is massive, but you can pick which things you want to do. So if you only want to leave feedback for certain areas, that's fine. Um, But we will have the link to the survey on dndiscussions.com in the show notes. Uh, So if you listen to what we went through uh, and have thoughts of your own, or if you've read the full Earth Arcana document and have thoughts, please leave those in the survey as that is... Uh, the best way to get feedback to the team at Wizards,
1: exactly. Uh, and then one other side thing: um, if you know you're out there and you're really trying to, you know, find a D and D campaign to jump into, and, and you're having a hard time, well, a digital version technically is coming out. Baldur's Gate Three is coming out August third. It's in pre release right now. Um, we are not getting any sort of payment or promo <laughs> or anything for this, um, but it just looks really, really cool, and it's essentially Dungeons and Dragons the video game. So check it out. I, I basically want everybody to buy it so that they'll keep making,
0: you know, D and D games. I want. Uh, I I already want a Baldur's Gate three expansion. Yes, I like it, it's. It it looks like the closest. A game will ever get to a real D and D campaign with all the branching choices and you know the 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 dice rolling and all the different the uh, the freedom of the things you can do and such. Um, it it looks amazing. I have completely been basically uh, untouched. I have not played it any of the early access. I have not looked up any of the articles. I've watched a trailer or two, and that's. Basically, Bennett. So, mm-hmm. and I'm going to continue to be like that. I I want my playthrough to be completely unspoiled. I don't want to know anything. I want to uh, just discover as I go this ridiculously giant, rich world um, as we as we go through and play. I believe it's levels one through twelve. So there's lots of goodies you'll be able to get along the way, and hopefully they'll make a level thirteen to twenty expansion. At some point, I don't know how they'll do it, but heck, if they were able to do this, I trust them to figure out how to do the rest. Yep. They can definitely do it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, that brings us towards the end of our episode. So before we go, since we actually have time tonight. Uh, let's talk about a little bit of what we're doing in our own game. So, Ben, I know you've had a yeah. session recently. Two sessions what to had... talk about, actually. Yes, two sessions now.
1: Uh, what have you guys been up to? Yeah. So, okay, we uh, you know got that artifact armor for our bard, and then they they plane shifted back, and we're standing right outside their manor. And then they're like, "Okay, we want some downtime." So I'm like, "Great, we're gonna have some downtime." So everybody kind of, you know, gave me their list of what they were doing. We, you know, RP'd some of it out and talked about some things and um there were some some really sweet moments like um our our bard at one point said like, "Oh yeah, no, I you know, never gotten presents before. You know, it's it's been something that that's never happened." And then our sorcerer ended up like giving them, you know, like like 5 days of really cool like little presents and stuff just because, you know, it's something that they've never had in their life. Uh, I thought that was really great. Um, uh, our our paladin worked with our uh, rogue to teach her how to use a shield because one of the, the things that they got um, loot-wise was an animated shield. So that is actually going to be used and implemented and stuff, which I think is really cool. I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, there was a, a real sweet letter that was written with a, a, a nice response, which nobody in the group knows about except the person who wrote that. So... We're just leaving that out there. Um, You know, just a lot of really neat stuff. Everybody kind of, you know, was able to recharge their character, kind of do some stuff. And then on the final day of the downtime was uh, Dragon Day, which was the city's celebration of the dragon that created it. Because if you remember, uh, Alexana, the the capital of the Sage Coast, um, was actually created by a silver dragon who created the city out of clouds you know, just create everything, just clouds here, there, everything. So, uh, dragon day is the day that they honor the dragon. And so there is, uh, some, you know, fun little activities. There's a, uh, uh, um, uh, chicken, well, a, a dragon wing eating contest with, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the temperature slightly going up with, with each, uh, dragon wing, which none of the players won that because the constitution save just did not hit the, the, the level, um, there was a cake decorating contest, which was pretty great, uh, which was a lot of fun. And then uh, at the end of the day, uh, our our champion of Bahamut, the Paladin, uh, was going to be one of the judges at the tournament. And then whoever won the tournament was going to put on like you know just like an exhibition match with with our Paladin. Well, no one told the winner that it was an exhibition match. Um, so this 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 uh, half orc or no, he's a full orc, I think. Um, comes in, he's wearing a, or carrying a, a very, very wicked ax that has, um, Rumsh, uh, iconography all over it. So, you know, the, the, the orc God of storms and war, and he just goes all out against our paladin and they are just fighting and attacking and doing massive damage to each other. And, He's you know using all these lightning powers and stuff that seem to maybe be coming from the axe and you know she is attacking with all of her holy might and our rogue sneaks over and sees that there's you know two people who are like cheering for him but they're just stalwart and, and silent and just watching the fight you know like they're they're really paying attention to see you know weaknesses and, and everything like that and just like not exactly taking notes but maybe mentally doing that. And then finally comes down to the point where, you know, she strikes down this orc. It looks like he's going to collapse. And then his his, uh, um, you know, orc feature of getting right back up happened and he attacks her and then she attacks him again. He falls down again. But then his relentless rage kicks in and he gets back up and then he attacks her. And like she's just getting beat and beaten. He keeps going down, but keeps making the save with his, his relentless rage. It keeps coming back up. And then, so finally, it's about maybe the sixth or seventh round at this point, And they were just, you know, back and forth, just throwing oh all this, this stuff. And then finally, someone, uh, when, an elf that was watching, um, you know, one of the two, um, casts a spell and just hold person on him and just stops him in his tracks. And they say, let's go. And then he ends up, you know, stopping the fight. They all walk off together. And then our rogue follows. Sees that this elf pulls out a tuning fork that looks a whole lot like the the one that our party has, and starts casting something. The rogue does a quick dragon's breath, fires some you know fire out at them, uh, and then they disappear. And then. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, what was going on with that? You know, the, everybody who is running the tournament is like, it wasn't supposed to be like this. You know, we weren't able to stop. I mean, if you think about it, it was a minute of fighting. So there wasn't really much they could like get in and stop this fight with. And then we kind of ended the session there with kind of the mystery up in the air of what was going on. So the next session, they start talking about it and they are like, okay, well, the axe could have potentially have been one of these artifacts that's, our party's been, you know, hunting for, you know, like the 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 god-chosen artifact, they might have something like that. The tuning fork, and one of those was stolen by someone who's able to alter their appearance from Herman, the the magic German Shepherd shop owner. Um so everyone's favorite good boy. Exactly. So, you know, there's another group out there who's potentially jumping around planes, gathering these things. And it's kind of been confirmed at this point. So they're like, Oh man, big deal. Right? So then they're, they're taking their first steps to go on the next quest to get the, the artifact that the sorcerer is, you know, been kind of contacted about through dreams and everything. And it turns out that they're going to be going to a fortress in the second layer of hell. So, they ended up plane shifting there, um, with their uh, Matilda, their their other magic shop friend, who is like one of their favorite NPCs. Uh, well, another one, and because she has a tie to this artifact, because her wife actually used to carry it before it got powered up. So, they're there. They are uh, Bard cast magnificent mansion. They popped in there just get out of the heat. And to start um, planning for the next session for how they're going to infiltrate this fortress and and get in there and and try to get this artifact. So it, it's been pretty crazy the last two sessions with, you know, stuff happening and, and the plot thickening and everything. And I'm really looking forward to this because I'm, I'm taking something from a module and completely changing it to what I need. This is the first time that I've ever really pulled directly from a module in order to do something. So um, it's going to be an experiment for me and so far I'm pretty happy with kind of the way things are going and
0: we'll see how it goes. That sounds super cool. Yeah, I'm that sounds super cool. Excited. And yeah, anti-group is
1: doing stuff and I think it's pretty cool. So anytime yeah. there's an anti-group
0: like, that's just, I feel like that's fun. Yeah, I think so. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's one of those tropes that tropes aren't bad necessarily. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, make them your own. Make they, they There's a reason they are. They can be a ton of fun. Yeah. And, you know, in this particular case, there's
1: a group of good people who are being chosen by good gods for a reason. Why wouldn't there be a group of bad people chosen by evil gods? Just makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Especially since yeah. all these these artifacts were depowered thousands of years ago, and now suddenly they start having powers again. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's like it's building this. I know, right? What could it be? Wild. Yeah, doesn't Who matter. knows? I'm sure it's nothing. Sure, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Nothing to worry about.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to our next session, and uh we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be in the second layer of hell. We'll see what happens. Oh, boy. City of dis. Yeah, exactly. That's where they they, they uh, jumped in. The place is cool. Well, it's yep, really hot, it but it's cool.
0: Uh, kind what of about, like all the weather right now. Oh, geez.
1: Uh, <laughs> when I took the trash out today, one of my neighbors said, yeah, this is the, the 27th day of above 110 in Phoenix.
0: 27th day in a row. Yeah. And then set their garbage bag down, which promptly melted. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But anyways,
1: uh, so that's, what's been going on in my campaign. I know that you've been super busy
0: with stuff and closing things down. So what has been going on with you? Uh, We did, we did our final session. We did our final session uh, last Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, uh, I I remember scheduling the invite, basically saying uh, like, you know, Saturday night d d session get your naps in folks because <laughs> <laughs> we did it was it was it was big it was big they're they're confronting this green dragon this is this is a big deal um so we didn't know how long how long it was gonna go so essentially um as the cleric had jumped in used etherealness to get underneath the statue into this the uh, secret staircase that went down and the rest of the party were trying to figure out how to get these guests out of the house when everything had closed down uh our our wizard uh figured ended up figuring out that the the statue had an arcane lock on it and was able to use knock which she had prepared uh Ooh. to dispel it which is super cool super fun use uh of that um spell while the rest of the party uh broke open some windows and started letting people out of the house only to find out that there was awakened trees and flowers and shrubbery outside too. That was ready to kill people as they <laughs> ran away. Uh, so it was the this whole this whole last few sessions has been uh, kind of a bloodbath for the, the poor civilians um, and and nobility. But because they had warned one of the nobility beforehand, It had guards come with her. Those guards got out and started helping people. Oh, that's good. The party then started helping people uh, shooting some of their long range stuff from the windows and stuff, uh, basically upping the chances, the background chances of it going in their direction and these things not coming and basically becoming ads in a fight later on. Mm hmm. So that was cool. All the meanwhile, while the wizard is opening this, uh, this statue entrance, cleric goes down, confronts Meldron, this green dragon in yeah, this alchemist lab with this big old hole, green gas and smoke coming out of this dark pit in the center of the room. Uh, and they talk back and forth uh, and they they have a, a little discussion, basically, on motivations and uh, a little back and forth on, like, wh- the, some of the why of what's going on, um, and uh, basically, this this dragon is is sick of politicking. He's sick of this nobility. Uh, he wants direct leadership, not behind the back backstabbing and uh cloak and intrigue and politics. Uh and there's a lot of stuff basically in what he was talking about that the, the cleric could kind of agree with. And so it was kind of interesting how that went. Uh, but at the end of the day, the cleric's like, is your thing going to be any better than what's going on right now? Uh, and in addition to that, they this this ring that has the soul of uh, the person that the cleric had met and talked to a lot in the early days, Meldron had stolen back from him. Uh, there was discussion about that, a little bit, some, some reveals about who that was. Um, and the cleric ended up hitting some sore spots in uh, the conversation. Ooh. And unfortunately it ended and it and it's just like uh we I, I guess we've come to an impasse we can't i can't agree on this and then the cleric tried to cast banish oh on this guy uh on this green dragon is it an uh, a, a, to, adult it is unspecified ooh this was a, the, the actual green dragon was a completely custom stat block. Oh, nice. That I, that I built myself, uh, specifically, specifically for this. This is a party of five level 15s. Uh, the, the dragon itself was a, ended up being a CR21 mm-hmm. creature, um, which ended up being pretty, pretty decent, um, to, uh, challenge that, scale of party yeah the banishment unfortunately failed because the dragon saved against it and basically went if you want to if you want to have it that way my turn says a word in draconic Cleric dies power word kill Power word power word death oh man um so i built in like you know a certain amount of spell slots, high level spell slots, and and down into this thing. The dragon's a caster. Yeah. Um, powered, powered kill, powered death. Um, doesn't have a save. It's just if you are under a hundred hit points, a like hundred hit points or less, you die. Mm-hmm. You just straight die. Uh, so the cleric just drops dead. That was kind of like a oh snap that everybody else is hearing because as that happens the wizard is running down through uh and doesn't isn't quite close enough to try and counterspell so the wizard busts through as the dragon is walking down yet another spiral staircase even deeper into this layer as the rest of the party having things gone on simultaneously catches up um and finds their cleric dead on the ground. Oh my god. Thankfully, the warlock, celestial packed warlock, uh has Revivify. And uh my death rules are basically as such: everyone has a death DC starting at 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every time they die, that goes up by two. Cleric had died once already, uh, so their death DC was 12. So basically from a from a revivify standpoint uh, and a resurrection standpoint in, in a real resurrection ritual, there's there's some little extra things that go on. But from a revivify standpoint, it's basically you use your diamond, use the spell. Then you roll a d20 and add your casting modifier.
1: Yeah,
0: good. The warlock rolls a seven <gasps> plus five. Oh, and gets exactly the DC to resurrect the cleric. So that was, that was the first, Oh crap moment of the night. Yeah, because I I knew what I was getting into when I had the dragon do that. Like it's just like, and I, I could potentially be cutting this player off before the battle really even starts. And I had some ideas of what I wanted to do with the with the character um, so that they could still help just in case they weren't able to be resurrected. Yeah. But this is a very smart villain they're up against. Taking out the cleric is a very strong advantage. Definitely. Um, But they were able to get him back up. They were able to take a quick breather, heal up um prep some stuff and move down into his actual layer where these acid pits were and this concoction he was making they had some conversation but at the end of the day their goals did not align with his and so it was a giant battle um i had a few different mechanics Uh, he didn't actually even turn into his dragon form until he hit half health. Um, because this is dragons are cocky bastards. Like, uh, so he mostly was in spell casting mode, um, and doing stuff like that. There were layer actions, uh, to, to make this a challenge. There were layer actions. There were legendary actions. Uh, Legendary, the legendary actions were mainly uh, spells of like a fourth level, uh, like it, like, you know, unlimited use fourth level type. Yeah. Type spell thing, Uh, something, something appropriate to a character of of uh, his stature, Uh, along with he had his own higher level spell slots that he had limited uses of. uh, And I had chosen to use the level, the ninth level one. Early on, but it was a, it, it made for a very interesting, interesting, uh, way it, it turned out, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't have any more power word kills to just like zap people, but they, they had a lot of, uh, a lot of other stuff. Um, the character got feeble minded, um, where the, the cleric, and I want to give my party props for this. This is not something they stumbled into. They prepped for this. They had a hero's feast, right? So they're immune to poisons they were immune to fear they had uh advantage on their wisdom saves they had diamonds and diamond dust for revivifies and greater restorations like they they came prepped that's good they're a little spent from the battle up above but they they came prepped so i i mean kudos to to doing that um the dragon had basically been experimenting on himself. So this was a green dragon that was like part poison, part acid. So there's a lot of acid damage and stuff mm-hmm. as well. One or two of the party members had gotten acid resistance and stuff like that. But I basically just didn't end up rolling any of the poison damage because they were all immune. Uh, so that helped them a huge amount because it would have been a lot of extra damage <laughs> going out if they were not immune to poison. Uh, I had a fun little mechanic where there was a bunch of like boxes that were emitting this gas mist around the thing that one of the layer actions allowed him to absorb. The the essence of the mist or, you know, whatever it was uh, excreting from those boxes and Mm -hmm. heal himself. So it became kind of a secondary objective for them to destroy these boxes. So he didn't have that option as a layer action um the map itself was fairly dynamic there was a lot of things i could do with the acid once he hit that half health and became a dragon he would swoop down grapple them bring them over acid pool and drop them in and while acid pools don't do as much damage as lava we're talking like 10d8 damage yeah quite a bit it's it's not yeah it's not a an insignificant but yeah, we had we had power word pains, we had fee- uh, the, the feeble mind uh, go off. We had counter spells flying back and forth, some of them succeeding uh, with them countering high level spells of his um, and him countering high level spells of theirs. Uh, so that was a very fun, interesting back and forth. Uh, there is there's like I said, there's a lot of tactics. Um, him ending up dropping some of them in acid, uh, teleporting around. Uh, yeah, it was it was a very, very dynamic, very fun, very hectic battle uh, that they, at the end, were able to uh, disable his flight and disable his getaway from the large hole that was in the level above, which he would have flown out of. Uh, but I ended up rolling when he got to low health to see if he would attack and try and kill the the character who was low health in front of him, or would try to escape. Yeah. Um. And based on that, he ended up fully uh, he he downed a bunch of them. There is there's a lot of stuff that went down. There was a death war, not a death ward that popped. Um. But basically, a version of the death ward from the warlock pact book. Mm-hmm. Um. It ended up popping the cleric back up. Uh, the the warlock themselves got to use the I believe it was like the level 14, 11, 15 uh, feature that pops them back up when they have to make a death save uh, heals them to like half health and does radiant damage uh, in an area around them. So that was that was super cool. Um, we were able to get that. Uh, so there was. Tons of resurrection, <laughs> tons of popping back up going on but there's also a lot of going down um and it just ended up turning out that the the rogue ranger uh ended up being on the short end of the stick uh that was the whole the prototype failed experiment ended up killing her completely uh before they were able to take him down
1: It sounds like you've had it like it's a I mean, the the fact that the party was like super well prepped is good. But the fact that the dragon had time to be super well prepped and everything as well really seemed to make it like a a, a really fair
0: fight, even though it was like incredibly challenging. It was a it was a nail biter. It was a nail biter and everyone and I even warn people going into this is just like, bring your a game because he's bringing his a game. Yeah, type thing. Um. So they ended the fight. The dragon is dead, but their ranger is dead as well. The ranger broke. Um, their DC is 12 as well, because they died once before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the cleric rushes over. They got two diamonds left, but they have no spell slots. Oh, so they run over and he informs me. That he has this feature. It's divine feature. It's part of the cleric. Um, not divine intervention, uh, but uh one of one of the cleric features. I I I had honestly not heard of it or I I didn't know about it before. Uh let me let me actually look it up so that people people can look it up if they're if they're interested in it. Um but essentially what this feature does is it allows you To get a spell slot back. Yeah. Uh, Divine power. You can use expended use of your channel divinity to fuel your spells as a bonus action. You regain one expended spell slot of up to third level. So he informs me of this. Regains a third level spell slot and casts Revivify. I have him roll... Privately to me. So no one else sees it. Mm -hmm. And then I start describing, as I always do, usually when there's full death, the death scene. What the what the player is seeing. The image of of her orphanage and then welcoming her back, asking her for help as they uh, take care of of these orphans. Uh, The cleric ends up rolling like. A five. Which a five plus their modifier of four.
1: Oh no. Is
0: not not twelve. Yeah. And so I have to, as everyone is waiting with bated breath, describe the diamond breaking, the dust settling, but then the glow fading. Uh and nothing happening. And things are getting really tense because this is. Three years. Uh, this is last session. This is a this is a really big deal, um, and then the cleric goes, "I have two uses of that." So he uses it again, regains a third level spell slot, and has one diamond left. Oh man! And I said. This was this is a death. And a failed resurrection. The DC is 14 14 now. Yeah, it's 14 now. Um, So I had him roll privately to me again. Same thing goes off. But he rolls an 18 on the dice. Oh, that is great. And so I'm able to describe. And everyone's just kind of waiting and then. Everything becomes clear. The cleric is brought into the scene as I always have the resurrector brought into the scene to talk with the resurrected because remember the soul has to be willing. Mm-hmm. So it's possible if the players wanted to, they could say no, they they don't want to come back or I or yeah I finished. I I feel I feel good about this. Um, it's my time you know type thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she had a family to go back to. So she decided to come with uh, with him and was resurrected. Everyone breathes a sigh of relief. There's a little bit of role play at the end. And that's where we ended the session. Oh, and that's we were gonna great. Epi- epilogue kind of post that post dragon kill post what is happening and then figure out what is going to uh, happen with the character. So a very epic cinematic conclusion, nail biter conclusion to a very epic campaign.
1: Very true. Very, very true. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear kind of, uh, you know, what happens in the epilogue and um, I'm, I'm glad that you had such a good like finale
0: to your campaign. That That's great. I, I honestly could not have been happier with how the fight ended up going down. Because that's that's one of the things that I I kind of pride myself on and I love doing is building those epic encounters, building mm-hmm. the custom stuff. But there's always that bit in the back of your mind. Well, there's there's always the little bit of it doesn't matter how long you've been playing, you have that little bit of nervousness as a DM before you before you get started with a session. But then I've always got the other thing in the back of my mind is crap. What if this doesn't work? What if I didn't make it right? What if this is super unbalanced? Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of times, a lot of it is just. Knowing your party and doing it, (laughs) doing it a lot, Uh, trusting your gut. It's it's definitely uh, more art than science at at this level um, to challenge your players and get that balance of deadly, but overcomable, right? And so I was very, very happy with how it how it turned out. Exactly. Well, cool. So I'm looking forward to talking about uh, the epilogue next uh, episode or two that we have. But until then, that is gonna be the end of our episode tonight. Thank you everybody so much for listening and joining us. But before we go, Ben, why don't you tell everyone where we can be reached? course um if you want to tell us about some of your
1: uh, epilogues or uh you know maybe even some genasi that you played go ahead and send us an email to dndiscussions at gmail.com we love to hear from you uh it's one of our favorite things is getting email from you um, now if you're looking for us on social media hey check us out on blue sky uh blue sky social bleh, blue sky social you can find D and discussions there uh, as well as ryan he is tbkzord and i am ben bumhoffer uh, now, if you want to hear me currently uh, on a live play podcast uh, going through Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, um, you can check out Plus 5 to Hit. Uh, Ryan's character has uh, gone on a mission for, her, for herself. Hopefully she'll be coming back soon. Uh, I know I would appreciate that because my character is quite reckless without uh, Ryan's character there. So check out Plus 5 to Hit. Some crazy shenanigans have been going on. But uh, this show, though, DN Discussions, check us out on dndiscussions.com. And, of course, anywhere your podcasts are, well, free because, you know, we, we don't sell it. But uh, anyways, uh, give a listen. If you like this episode, we've got uh, 93 other ones, which is still blowing my mind, out there. So check us out. Uh, until next time, everybody, make sure that uh, your dice roll well and be good to each other. Take care, and we'll see you soon.